This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Thursday, March the 19th. It's been a little while, so we decided. Why not? How about some T. Watts and T.R. on the Built by Bama Online podcast? Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by site publisher Tim Watts. Tim, how we holding up, my man? Good, man. It's good as can be expected. I mean, it's hard living in a world with no sports. They, they, uh, I think there's a lot. You know, I'll tell you, one of the benefits of this for me is we've had more family time than we've had in a long time. And uh, we've always sort of focused on it. But the kids gravitate to us now. They want to watch movies. They want to watch shows, partly because I'm not distracted by the the 7:30 Lakers Spurs game, I imagine. <laughs> but uh, it's good. It's good as can be expected. Yeah, we'll get into some essentials for quarantining for both Tim and myself as we move throughout the podcast. But I guess Tim, if there's been a positive from a sports perspective, it's that Roger Goodell and the NFL—they don't slow down, do they? Still have the free agency news and. Uh, quarterback-specific news, it seems like, here in the last four or five days. I've never seen anything like this from the NFL standpoint. I mean, the the, the big-name quarterbacks and, and all the moves, everybody making moves. I didn't expect Tom Brady to leave. I don't know how many people really did. It was hard to envision. I don't blame him for leaving, not at all. I didn't think that was a very good offense they put around him last year. And uh, I know there's some other stuff, underlying factors, but – I mean, to see all these guys, I mean, all these guys who've signed, I mean, you're looking at Brady's on the move, Phil Rivers is a Colt, um, small moves like, you know, Nick Foles to the Bears or Chase Daniels has signed with, with the Detroit, make you wonder what's going to happen with, you know, Matthew Stafford, what's their plan there. Cam Newton's out there, Jameis Winston's out there, Drew Brees re-signed with the Saints. I mean, that is a ton. I mean, they 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 kept us occupied these last couple of days. You're a Saints guy. What about your NFC South now, Tim, with Tom yeah. down there in Tampa and what you're going to have lined up with, with quarterbacks and Bridgewater in, in Carolina? I don't, um, you know, I don't love the fit for Brady with the Buccaneers. I think Bruce Arians is a great coach. Brady's a great quarterback, but they have a lot of guys that are, that are deep. I just, I just know Brady's still got the arm. I'd say the same yeah. thing about Drew Brees to throw the passes they're going to try to throw. I mean, Big Ben had had a had a pretty good arm when they were doing that in in Pittsburgh. So um, the division certainly got a lot more interesting. I mean, you get to see Drew Brees versus Tom Brady twice a year. That's going to be a straight. I mean, a great storyline. I'm excited to see that. How Ted Ginn got that money, I'm still amazed. That's a, that's a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. When uh, you could have drafted Henry Ruggs and got a better version of that for a lot cheaper on a rookie contract. I'd I'd much rather did that, but it's going to be interesting. It's already a pretty tough division. It's going to get even tougher now. It got tougher when Bruce Arians showed up. I mean, really I, did. And that, that, guy coach, that guy knows what he's doing. And that was the intriguing part of all this when you were considering landing spots for Tom Brady was 
that potential partnership of Arians and Brady. And I agree with you, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, I think of those guys more in the vertical passing game. And can Tom Brady at 43 when the season gets underway, can he make those type of intermediate to deeper throws uh, to really fully maximize those guys? Although I would say for O.J. Howard, jackpot as a tight end with Tom coming in down there, especially when O.J.'s looking at his second contract coming up. Oh, absolutely, especially with the success that Gronkowski had with Brady. So I know he'll he'll have a big young target who's active, so that's good for uh, O.J. We've seen some Alabama boys sort of improve their stock during this time. I mean, you've seen Amari get $20 million a year, and good for him. Uh, always amazed. I mean, I don't think people realize how young Amari is. He's six months older than uh, Calvin Ridley, for instance, and they didn't even play on the same team. So, I mean, Cal, you know, Amari's still a baby at 25. He's did a lot of things. He got that money with the Cowboys trying to make that run. I still have my doubts whether the Cowboys can win a Super Bowl uh, with Jerry Jones and them running it. But, I mean, good for Amari, you know, good for OJ. We've seen some Alabama guys fall into some good situations. You talk about the Alabama guys, kind of tough news, I guess, for Derrick Henry. He's still going to get a nice paycheck for 2020 assuming we have a 2020 season but with that franchise tag it's not going to be girly type money at least not yet for Derrick Henry no I mean I I don't know the NFL is so reactionary when it comes to quarterbacks I mean you know you get you get Tannehill for a bag of balls to start the season and then you're giving him you know the the keys to the kingdom after a couple six game run it was a nice run he had a good run uh, Tannehill did, but I don't know. That kind of money invested in just seems pretty rash. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's the easy way. Yeah, Henry's going to get paid. He certainly deserves to get paid at some point. But for a running back, the sooner he gets that contract, the better. I mean, they start counting those years pretty quick. They absolutely do. Um, and you're right. It was it's been a nice stretch for most of these uh, most of these Alabama guys, and it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, it seems like on a daily basis, there is an Alabama guy in the news cycle, whereas 10, 12, 15 years ago, they were very much few and far between. We don't see many Alabama kickers in the news cycle when it comes to NFL, but pretty much any other position. And certainly <laughs> with Tua coming up, uh, he's going to become more of that with the quarterback position. Although A.J. McCarron, A.J. McCarron, of all these guys we talk about right now, may have the best NFL job of any of the old Alabama players. Oh, I agree. He's the, uh, you know, the, the NFL uh, guy version of that is Chase Daniels, who's made a fortune playing about four or five games. AJ's did a really good job, too. I mean, it's probably not what he wanted from a playing standpoint, but from a, you know, a job security, a comfort of life and everything like that. He's certainly had a really good career and stayed around. You know, he's never really got an opportunity. He's always been in the weirdest situation, even now. Um, you know, just backing up some of the, you know, some of the, the best quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, good for him, you know, getting paid, staying in the NFL, you know, making that money. It looked like he was going to get that shot in Buffalo, kind of in between, Josh, you know, the previous regime and Josh Allen. I guess Fitz Magic may have been at Buffalo at about that time or was sort of transitioning out. And then A.J. had that little bit of a window as Josh Allen was coming in there. AJ gets hurt in that preseason, and it's pretty much been, you know, a, a career of a backup for AJ McCarron. But again, again, there are a lot worse ways to make a living in this world 
than what A.J. McCarron. What about some of the deals we've seen just in general so far? Is it the DeAndre Hopkins trade that maybe shocked you the most of what we've and, and seen? I, or? I mean, if that was in my fantasy football league, I'd have vetoed the trade. <laughs> I wouldn't even allow. That's for, that's that's some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. I mean, you take DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, one of the fastest guys in the league, one of the most – I don't know how Deshaun Watson's not ready to, to bolt out of there. When you're giving up guys like that for – Again, a bag of balls. I mean, nothing against David Johnson, the running back, who was really good three years ago, but he's been injured. He's averaged less than three yards of carry, I believe, the last couple of years. You know, got draft picks back in the whole deal. Um, I mean, Hopkins is a player. I mean, he's 27 years old. When you're thinking of the top five best players in the game, I certainly wide receivers. I certainly think of, you know, Hopkins. So, you you know, you pair him. No, who could be happier? I sort of said this last year. Cardinals are sort of my dark horse for this year because that organization, when he got Cliff, drafted Kyler back-to-back high quarterback picks, which I was a fan of, and uh, they've they that organization supported this aggressive way they're doing stuff, and, man, they are moving. You got Kyler Murray, you got a wide-open offense. You're going to have DeAndre Hopkins. They're probably going to get an – Offensive tackle, possibly Jedrick Willis. I think they draft eighth. So uh-huh. you're getting guys to not only protect Kyler, you're getting guys to help Kyler. And don't have, you know, he's not the same uh, same uh, wide receiver he was, you know, seven years ago. But Larry Fitzgerald, man, he's a he's still a ball player, and he's got to be great to be around in that locker room for such a young team. So a lot of good things happen. But, yeah, the Hopkins deal is just a head-scratcher. It's totally above uh, – yeah, total, no idea why they did that. You know, and then Michael Irvin comes out and likes, you know, he, he likes he likes yeah. the views. And, and, and uh, uh, if that's true, uh, I'd be surprised if O'Brien survived it. But then again, sort of Hopkins sort of walked it down and maybe he said some things out of frustration. But, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just an insane trade, terrible trade. Well, you know, if it does play out that way, what the hell's going on at the ownership level in Houston? You're affording – Bill O'Brien, all of this power, Tim, based on what has Bill O'Brien done wherever he won, he's been to be Bill Belichick at this point, for crying out loud? Eight, not, not six world titles that this guy has. I mean, I think he won eight games at Penn State. That counts for something, right? <laughs> that gives you that gives you free reign of an NFL franchise yeah. worth billions of dollars, yeah. I'm assuming. Mark, so. Mark Stoops is at Kentucky wanting to know where his power's at in the NFL then. You know, if that's yeah. sort of the qualifier. No kidding. Butch Jones like, what is up? <laughs> what nine, baby? What is up? Yeah, give me the Titans. So I don't uh, understand. I, I agree. I mean, I don't think there's many checks and balances. Uh, there's rumors J.J. Watt's going to want, you know, wants to leave. So that's going to be uh, – you know, mess all the all the damn Watts are in Pittsburgh now, so that's probably what he wants to do. His brothers you know, are I'm, all all Steelers at this point. I'm one letter away from being in the National Football League. I hope you know that. <laughs> well, T Watts, they we can T, yeah, we can make T, that if it was instead T, of the Watt, yeah, it was just T Watt, if just Tim yeah. Watt, I'd probably be in the National <laughs> Football League. That's a somebody added an S and sent me to Sweden, and I came back no NFL aspirations. None. None at all. Thank God, for, um, thank God for the NFL this year, this week, though. Less no, than. no, and thank goodness, by the way, for our subscribers, right, at BamaOnline.com. Dude, they've been great. I mean, they're, I'm looking at the message board every day, and they're active, and they're 
discussing and it's almost like i said about the family now we're spending so much more family time on bol we don't have as much sports but we're talking about a lot of good stuff so a lot of good discussion um yeah they are they're staying active i didn't know what to expect they've been all right and you know it's been good here in the last day or so 247sports.com releasing its top 247 for the 2022 class and tim a guy i know you're very familiar with Alabama's commitment for the 2022 class right now checks in in the top 15 overall among prospects for uh, that upcoming cycle, a few few down the road. But uh, tell us what you know about Jeremiah Alexander. Man, this kid, you know, obviously he's I've known I've known his family for a while, I've known his dad, and uh, Jeremiah as a kid used to work out where my son Kay did. They used to work out together. They were with Simeon Castile over in the in the Pelham area. They had this place and. Uh, Kay was probably seven or eight when he started. Probably now he's probably a little bit older, but Jeremiah's a year younger than him. But you know, you saw Jeremiah just had that dog in him from an early age. I've been watching him. Um, he's just a football player, you know. When you watch him, he's a good basketball player. He's a good baseball player. He's a good athlete. Obviously, focusing on football. Thompson takes football very serious. You know, there's a lot of a lot of full time effort into that. But Big kid, you know, to me, you know, people get caught up. I'm not sure what Jeremiah is going to test. I don't know if he's going to run a 4.8 or 4.6 or what he would run. I know he's 230-plus pounds of monster. You know, he loves to play big hitter, got great instincts, puts that work in. Um, you know, that's on the field. Off the field, I'm lucky enough to know him, you know, been have, having watched in the last 10 years. Really good kid, yes or no, sir. Um, not guy looking for personal glory. I mean, he was the best player on a Thompson team that was the best team in the state of Alabama and played the toughest schedule as a sophomore. So that sort of speaks volumes. And even as a freshman with the team where Talia was a quarterback, Jeremiah was one of the standouts. So I think the biggest thing when you look at him, his dad's a big guy, and Jeremiah's a big, big kid. Um, could end up an inside linebacker, could end up, you know, you know, a defensive end, sort of, you know, probably not as big as uh, Jonathan Allen, but, you know, sort of in that ballpark could end up in that, you know, 260 range. I think he told me he's 235 yesterday. So a lot to like about him, um, you know, and a guy that committed early, you know, I know Alabama fans have been a little upset and worried about the, the numbers. I don't particularly blame them because this isn't the norm. We're not seeing the normal amount of commitments that we have. So I've got mixed reviews on that. Cause you know, me and you've discussed this before is that early on, March, April, Saban likes to get those commitments, and he'll take some guys that later on, he, you know, they didn't don't end up in the class. So we've seen that a few times. So I know the approach is a little bit slower, but also there's a little bit less momentum right now. I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, partly what's happening in the world, but heading into that, it was a little bit quieter. That run was about to, you know, to me, that run was about to start, I thought, or at least pick up with the junior days that were coming up and the camps that were coming up in June. So it is a slower start than we're used to. I don't think there's any cause for panic. I think you panic in, you know, in October and November. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, not just for Alabama, but with this COVID-19 pandemic and how it's impacting our world in general, uh, let alone from a sports perspective, but specific to college football and sort of the college football calendar year. Uh, the evaluation process. I mean, you have the May period, I guess, still coming up uh, and then camp season possibly uh, up in the air, which has always been a very big part of what Alabama and others are doing. So are you seeing sort of this this lull, I guess you could call it, 
at this point with with Alabama is it are, are you noticing the same type of situation for other schools out there I mean it has to be to an extent there's no officials there's no unofficials this would be a time with spring practice that you would see a lot of kids on campus uh, is it just an Alabama thing right now or are you seeing it across the board Tim no, I, you know, you've seen other teams. There's not a lot of teams with a bunch of commitments. I mean, what you know, what sort of aggravates the situation? It's always been the same. Is when you look at the front runner. When you look at say Clemson. Clemson's having a good class. It's not a surprise. They're they're a, they're a hot team. They're a good team. It's a good program. They recruit extremely well. The same for Ohio State. So when you look and compare yourself to those two, a lot of schools are going to say they're behind. Now, a lot of schools, it's for a lot of schools, it's different than Alabama because Alabama's used to be in the trendsetter. So I think for Alabama fans, it's a little bit of a different perspective. Um, to me, I think, you know, with, you know, with everything that's happening, I, I, don't, I don't know how to predict it. I don't trust anybody predicting it. I don't know how to predict it. I just think there's so much uncertainty. I, I do think that this class will be the most uh, film <laughs> evaluated class in the history of yeah. football. Because coaches are sitting in offices or sitting at their house, and coaches are going to coach. They're going to do what they do, and if nothing else, they're going to watch film. And they will. This will be the most thorough class evaluated in the history of football, along with 2022. So you're going to see a lot of guys. Um, you know, I think you'll see a lot of guys, a lot of film evaluations. But it certainly hurts. I mean, anytime you don't see anybody live, it affects the NBA draft. How many times have you and I seen a Purvis Ellison or a uh, Antonio McDice go from not really that much of a major prospect to a, a top five pick. You know, yeah. the NBA teams, they get that hotness. I mean, Antonio McDice wasn't even really being mentioned by the NBA that heavily. Blew up, ate up Brian Reeves, you know, ate a big country breakfast, and the next thing you know, he's going number two. And Purvis Ellison leading them to a national cha- Cardinals to the national championship. So they lose that that view. You get losing a lot of pro days. Um, and obviously you're losing the uh, camps and everything if 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 it's if it holds the course. So yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty about how to evaluate a player because you know Alabama certainly is one of the schools that values those camp experiences as much as anybody. Yeah, so, at least the NFL had a combine. That's now, true. Yeah, they did. That's true. Now some of those the guys waited, now. and some of those guys were waiting for their pro day, so they actually sort of you know didn't mean to obviously, but they got pinched a little bit by uh you know skipping them yeah and there were some guys for alabama uh that were coming up that you were sort of anticipating seeing them work out guys like terrell lewis anthony jennings um you know xavier mckinney wanted another shot at that 40 after his uh sort of pull up there at the combine uh in the 40 and some of those other activities from indianapolis so it's pretty much every level right now you kind of hit on it and from a number standpoint, even if you don't have those evaluation opportunities available to you for the class of 2021, you still got to sign kids, don't you? Because you can't afford to just say, well, you know, we'll sign 12, 14, 15 kids this time around uh, because you're limited on an annual basis on initial counters. I mean, you yeah. got to fill spots, don't you? Yeah, and there might be exceptions made, but, I, you know, I'll be honest, you know, a lot of this see them in person. It hasn't always been this way. I mean, Nick Saban had different rules. You look at old school coaches like Nick Saban. He grew up probably having to offer kids and take them off film. Everybody didn't always come to camp. So this is, you know, really developed in the last, you know, 10 years as far as trying to get everybody to camp. So these guys still know what a football player looks like. 
They might not know if he's actually six three and a half or six one. It might be harder to figure out looking at that tape. But they've got enough. They've got enough ways to figure out how to put together a good class. Good recruiters, good coaches are going to figure out how to sign good players. Man, it's retro football in a lot of ways right now, Tim, because these coaches, even with their existing roster, sending guys home with workout plans like they did 15, 20 years ago when May would roll around and time to go home for the summer. We'll see you in August. And you send them with their little workout booklet, maybe a playbook, and hope that they come back with uh, any type of semblance of, of that work having taken place on their own. Um, God, man, it, it, it is. I, I think that's you, – you probably hit on something there with Saban and his his uh, being long in the tooth, I guess you could say, in this business uh, perhaps helps him. He's got a resource to go back to, to sort of what it was like – before we got into uh, more of the contact and more of the year-round experience. approach. He's yeah. got experience. How many, how many times has he seen, you know, watched the guy's film and offered him? How many guys has he not had a, times he not had a guy in camp? Um, I think any college coach is going to have that experience. But, you know, say, you know, Saban, and with as much experience as he has, that's got to be a benefit. Um, and again, you know, even a young, you know, if you're a good coach, you know, if you're a, if you're a 23, 25 year old coach, you still should know, you know, a player, sure. you know, you should know a player from a, you know, a groundhog. I mean, you should have a good feeling for what you're looking at. Yeah. And there's still technology can help you even, uh, in this, this time when you, you don't have that sort of direct contact because of, uh. Uh, you know, social media, you can sort of monitor some things with your guys, I would think. And well, look, let's, also- and let's be honest, we've seen some of these kids over, not, and I'm not talking Alabama, I'm talking in general. We have seen kids over-evaluated to death, where you just keep looking at them. And, I mean, if you look That's at true. something long yeah. enough, you're going to find flaws, you know. And, you know, I had an old friend, you say, study long, study wrong. And that sort of, you know, sometimes, you know, you just look and you know, and you don't have to have his vitals and his hand size and size of his shoe. And, you know, you don't have to have all that. You just sort of look at him and know he's a player. Javier Arenas was that way. You know, our boy Dave Unger, he saw him. He didn't know what he ran. He didn't know his exact measurement. He just know he saw that film and he loved it, signed him, you know, offered him, signed him, flipped him and boom. So um, I still think that holds true in a lot of cases. I mean, I think I and also that, and also the network is so vast. How many people do you know exactly. that this kid could have went to camps three times by the time he's a sophomore? So there's plenty of workarounds. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not like when we're talking about the 2021 class at this point, there's a lot of secrets out there, right? I mean, there's always those kids that, you know, a couple of kids that can come from off the radar in a span of six months. But for a lot of these kids, they're very much known entities on the circuit, right? Yeah, and I think this is that old school way of helping the smaller schools as well. There'll be guys hidden in Mississippi that only, you know, small schools and, you know, maybe Southern Miss. I mean, you look at the history of the National Football League where a lot of the, the best players uh, uh, came from, and they, they all didn't come from Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan, USC, and Texas. These guys would be all over. You know, they were at all kind of small schools. Uh, almost like old basketball, you know, where guys will be, at, you know, playing at San Francisco, <laughs> you know. So I think you have the, that that situation where they could hide out a few guys because if this, you know, just hypothetically, if this was Josh Jacobs' senior year, it's probably a chance Alabama doesn't get to him. 
You know, if, we, if you go into this with a less chance without Jeremy Pruitt hitting on the road, looking for a defensive guy, Jeremy Pruitt asking who's the best player in the area. The coach is telling them Jacobs. Pruitt takes Jacobs back to Burton Burns. Burton Burns jumps on a plane. You know, and the rest is history. So there will be guys probably slip through the cracks. It is T. Watts and T.R. on the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, we would certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Built by Bama online podcast. Maybe leave us a rating and a review while you're there. Those things would be greatly appreciated as well. So here we are, Tim. Uh, We're pretty much uh, doing what we're being asked to do, trying to be model citizens about this whole thing, this pandemic that is impacting all of our lives. So around the Watts home, what are some of the sort of quarantine essentials, maybe for Tim Watts, maybe for the fam in general? What do you got to have to get through this right now, Tim? You know me, I'm such a candy freak. I'm going to end up trapped in a house with three broken teeth and uh, exposed (laughs) roots, what's probably going to happen. Um, for me, it's candy, little little things like that, pork rinds. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm stashing the dumbest stuff in history. I got to be honest with you. My wife, luckily, she's keeping the vitals. We're you know we're eating right, we're eating healthy. We're still trying to eat out and support everybody we can right. until we can't eat out. So we eat out as much as we can with restaurants and um, especially our local alabaster restaurants. We like to take care of the ones like uh, Champy's LA Burrito, who've been really good to us. So. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's the small stuff. I mean, you know me, sweet tarts, Skittles, and all that kind of stuff. Is uh, Now, what's funny is I had a bag on the uh, kitchen counter. I had the, bought candies and had all the candy on the bag. And I looked up, and it was gone. I asked my wife. She's hidden them in different spots in the house. She's ra- I'm getting – she's rationing them for me. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? She said, you can't ration. She don't want to be stuck with me for two weeks with no sweet tarts, apparently. So – um I'm, I'm on a limit what about you what, yeah what, i'm kind of the it? same the sweets you know i mean the wife has the the peterbrook chocolate store so Has she ever those uh those dark chocolate almonds are getting hammered hammered pretty good and i'm i'm on the man i'm kind of addicted to this powerade zero you know and so really? what flavor yes the grape the grape yeah, I call it I the old man. It. I call it the old man slushy or the old man icy. I get yes, the crushed ice. Yes, I got yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I sit that. here and I go through them by the like, you know, case at this point. So you give me some Powerade Grape Zero and some dark chocolate almonds, I'm probably going to be okay. But we're like you guys. I mean, we're doing our best to sort of try to support the local economy as best we can, man, because it's just amazing. Know, to to watch these folks and we're certainly among them you're having to adapt and adjust on the fly to try to still serve the community while also being ultra aware and taking every precaution that needs to be taken while doing so and just unprecedented times in general you know we 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 thought we you know you think about it you you've got kids about the age of of our youngest um you know, our youngest was born four months after 9-11. She's a senior in high school now, and she's likely going to lose in the big picture of things. I understand it. It's not the biggest thing. But when you're 18 years old, it's a huge thing that you potentially lose your, your senior year graduation ceremony. So 
I don't know about this 21st century so much, Tim, other than yeah, the he, fact that it kind of brought us together at BOL. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for some things at this point for the 21st century. Yeah, you know, and I talk to people, and I know they all they all feel guilty, like you sort of did about, like, it's small things. But you shouldn't feel guilty for being upset she's missing her prom. She should be upset. Prom, you know, you feel graduation, everything. You feel, you feel kind of cheated. You know, we just had to cancel an entire trip to Europe, 17 days. Uh, we were going to Paris, Amsterdam, Brussels, and uh, London. It took me eight months of planning, and it sucked. It does suck. I know there's bigger problems, but it still sucks. So it's okay for people to be upset and frustrated and cheated and miss. It's okay to miss NBA. In my opinion, it's okay to miss NBA and to miss everything you're missing. It's all right. It doesn't make you selfish. It just makes you normal. You know, that's the thing is, you know, all my friends, when they say, like, I don't want to be selfish or I feel bad complaining. No, you can complain. I mean, you should feel bad. It sucks. You feel cheated of something. And I certainly understand an 18 year old, you know what I mean? My son's oh, a yeah. was doing, my son's a junior in uh, high school, having a great baseball season on a good baseball team. And it just got snatched away from him. And, you know, you know, it, it, it's, it sucks, but they're kids and he probably wouldn't have remember, remembered this season eight years from now anyway. So, um, uh, but I get being upset for missing stuff. I don't blame anybody at all. And they shouldn't feel guilty. They should feel pissed. Got two seniors in the house right now. Got the high school senior and a college senior whose graduation at the University of Hawaii is probably getting wiped out. I'll say this for the oldest. At least she had her senior night in basketball. I mean, looking back on that just now a week and a half or two weeks ago, just very thankful that at least she was able to experience that. Um, Absolutely. It's fantastic. It's it's been, yeah, I mean, it's it's rough for everybody right now. We kind of understand that. But, you know, from a television standpoint or a streaming device or streaming outlet perspective, I got to be an absolute boom, boom right now for Netflix and the like. Uh, are you binging anything right now, Tim? You got anything in, in particular that's kind of got you hooked right now? i tell you a show I really like on Amazon Prime. It's called Counterpart. We tried to watch it. I think it was during the football season. It's one of those at night shows where I'll watch, but it's one you have to actually pay attention to. So it was during that recruiting time where I was sort of watching at it, but I was on the computer at night dealing with, you know, with the stuff that goes with the site. So the season passed and I looked up and I didn't remember anything. So we're rewatching that really good show. Um, I've liked that. We've caught up on some old movies. Have you seen knives out by any chance? I have. I watched that on a flight recently. Dude, that's a good movie. It's a actor Christie yeah. feel, clue type feel, great cast. We watched Man, that. I become a bigger and bigger Don Johnson fan the How older I get. Like he, when we were younger and he was doing the Miami Vice thing and all that, I wasn't into Don Johnson. But, you know, some of the stuff he did with uh Eastbound and Down uh <laughs> was great in that series and uh I, I just become more of a Don Johnson fan the older I get. He's just more of a guy now, you know. When you, I mean, look, let's be honest. Miami, Miami Vice was set up to make him look as douchey as possible. In hindsight, <laughs> they had my boy's hair slicked back. They had the white, you know, all the white clothes, the cars, the, you know, the colors. Yeah. And that he it was, works. It it absolutely is perfect for that generation. But I don't think it could survive any other gap. So he no. sort of got the bad start, but the amazing thing is, you, I mean, you're right. He is fantastic. What is uh, the uh, is it the Hateful Eight or which one is he in with? Yeah, Clint? 
Tino. Yeah. He's great he's in that good. as the racist guy. I mean, he's 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 also in in uh what's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio where he's the slave owner Jamie Foxx. Oh, Django. Yeah, yeah. he's in that. That dude, yeah, man. He is. Right. Candyland. Candyland. Yes, he's got a little bit of Benjamin Button because when you look at him, he doesn't look any older than he did 30 years ago. Barely. He's no. got a little bit more gray hair, but he's a lot similar. He looks very similar to me, a little bit older than, you know, this character in Ten Cups. So good call. I love Don Johnson. Yeah, he's 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 become one of my unlikely favorites. Yeah. And he's a say. great actor. He's an absolute he great actor. He does some good. He's great in Ten Cup. Oh, gosh. Oh my David gosh. Sims. He's perfect. Is there a, a better golfer? Scene? There could be a better a-hole golfer. Dude, was there, a, was there a better scene than when he just turned sideways and hit that thing up that road and it bounced? That was the class. And then when he actually hated dogs and he yelled at the old couple. I mean, you're talking was, about a marriage of the most it, 90s actors ever. What about dude, Costner and Don Johnson and that? How about one? Rene Caruso? I mean, Rene Russo yeah. in that yeah. thing after coming off, you know, fight with Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapons. Yeah, my boy uh, Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong is Romeo. I think my fa- I think my favorite scene is when they're teeing off with all the guys before the for the Masters or whatever they were in, and he was hitting uh, all those balls sideways. And Cheech said, "Put your hat on backwards. Put all your change in your pocket. Put this tee behind your ear." He said, "I look like a fool." He said, "What do you think you look like hitting those chili peppers up Lee Jansen's ass?" <laughs> yeah, it's like, "What do you think you look like?" So yeah, that's a great that and Bull Durham, Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. Couldn't love him more than in those two movies. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you know, I'm documentary guy a lot of times, and so that's kind of what I've been into, that sort of format of late. Uh, Cue Ball, which is a documentary on Netflix that centers on the San Quentin Warriors, which is the prison basketball team at San Quentin. I would recommend that one. Uh, that was pretty good stuff that I've, I've kind of consumed here in the last few days. And I'm a foodie as well. I like the foodie stuff. And uh, uh, David Yang in this ugly, delicious uh, sort of show that they've got on Netflix too. If you're a foodie, uh, I'll give you that one as well. Everything my wife from- and daughter, my wife and daughter love them. So I'm adding, I'm actually adding these to my queue as we talk. What's that called? The foodie? Ugly, delicious. It's uh, it's really good. I mean, it, everything from tacos to fried rice to like anything uh, I've ever cooked. Yes. Yes. They'll, they'll enjoy that. Trust me. Trust me on that one. What about sports movies? You know, that's where I struggle. We kind of talked about 10 cup a little bit. And Bull Durham. Those certainly uh, are on the, the better end of, of sports movies of all time. But uh, what about some of the worst ones? Worst sports movies of all time. And for me, there's only one really at the top of the list. And it's because it was such a drop from the the first one the the sequel was just awful but uh what do you got for us there tim worst sports movie I think of almost all time. every one comes like you said from a sequel like uh to me rocky five just i just want to just go back if i had a delorium and one delorium <laughs> and one thing of plutonium i would go back and end that film before it shot i would i would figure out a way we'd never see rocky five it's depressing. It's sad. It's stupid. Rocky's fighting a guy 100 pounds higher, you know, 100 pounds heavier than he is. But, I, you know, Stallone, for me, Stallone can't help himself, though, man. What? How many Rambos do we have now, by the way? Like eight? No, I'll answer what that. Are we with, up to? I'll answer that with not enough. 
because <laughs> I am a, I am a Stallone guy. I don't care if it's stupid. I don't care for dropping him into Afghanistan with a buck knife. I don't care. I do not. I can go to the bathroom without pausing it and come back and I've missed nothing. He always wins, but um. But you, I mean, go ahead and tell me yours, because I'm sure the sequels. Well, are, I mean, Caddyshack Two is the worst. I mean, what the hell was that? Like, what? That was the worst. That was that I mean, was such a disaster. I knew you were going to say that. Jeez, it's, are you kidding me? Awful. I remember how seeing. About, go ahead. How about some blasphemy? The movie The Bear in 1984, based on the life of. Oh, Gary the one and Busey. only. I mean, Gary Busey. I love Gary Busey, and that's when he was I, hot. I mean, dude was doing Buddy Holly. He was playing Bear Bryant. Um, you know, it, it, it was before it was pre rehab. Gary Busey, wasn't it back then? Pre wreck, yes, pre wreck, <laughs> yes, pre wreck. I'll tell you another sequel that needs once makes me want to fight Adam Sandler and Nelly's that damn longest yard. I guess oh, it was a gosh. fake. Don't I mean, come me on, why is Nelly barefoot? Yeah. Why is he running around barefoot running the sweep? That's yeah. pretty easy to stop, step on his toe. But, you know, you see, I'll tell you one, I don't know if it's the worst of all time or the best or both, but that uh, bowling movie with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> oh, gosh, Kingpin. The, yeah, Kingpin is one of my <laughs> favorites. I, I mean, there's parts in it is like, cut the, cut the crap, guys. Cut the they crap. They say that it's pretty much so Bill funny. Murray, everything Bill Murray did in that movie was totally improvised. Oh, like, I can I just see Absolutely. did it. Big yeah. Earn McCracken. I think yeah. some movies, like a lot of sports movies, I think if you're in the right mood, I think you could uh, you can watch most of them. But if you're in the wrong mood, I mean, the Bad News Bears went to Japan. You know, I mean, yeah. why, why were the little that. kids? Why are the little kids in Japan? They're not the best team in America. There's no way. You know, they're in Japan. And uh, what's the movie where Kevin Costner's the basketball coach and recruits the <laughs> the dude from Africa? You remember that one? Air up there? Have you seen that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. What about um, Blue Chips with Nick Nolte? Where does that one stack up for you? Not, I not love quite it. Hoosiers. Yeah. I love it because Nick Nolte, so many characters I knew when I covered AAU basketball. The scene that summarized every great coach is when he went to see the kid in Indiana. He was Southern Baptist. When he saw Shaquille O'Neal's character in he was Pentecostal, and when he was, saw the other other parent, he was Catholic. When he saw Penny Hardaway, that sums up every great coach I know. They're they're versatile. I lo- I like the movie. wasn't very realistic. I'm not sure why those games in the movie were so close when they had Penny, Shaq, and everybody else. That seems like it would have been a bit much bigger win. But um, there's been some bad there's been some bad sports movies. Some seems really like bad Penny sports. might have taken that blue chips script to heart into the coaching ranks. I'm not sure though. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm surprised Nick Nolte's not recruiting for him. Yeah, that blue chips. We did get to see Bobby Hurley in an Indiana uniform. Remember that? How some of the that guys that they were used, they mm-hmm. would use them in, in real college uniforms. So it was kind of a different look with some of that stuff. But um, yeah, there's been some bad ones. But, you know, probably because the, the bad ones have been so bad, we don't acknowledge that there's actually been some really good sports movies. I mean, and even sequels. Rocky Two was great. You know, uh, Rocky Two was outstanding. I agree. It was it was fantastic, and I would agree. They have like I think it's just like certain type of movies. Like, have you seen um, 
Um, shoot, what's the movie I was gonna say? Have you seen the uh, J- movie Johnny Be Good, for instance? Yeah, that that is that yeah. a good one or a bad one? I like some to of these. It was so cliche that that's it was what I'm saying, awful. But that's, it was so awful. It was good. I I hate it, and I bet I've seen it twenty times. So I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of the it was kind of <laughs> the blue chips of football. Is what it was. Yes, except it was Anthony Michael Hall, and every university was named. Robert Downey so, Jr. is great in everything. Though. Is he I mean, not? He, he kind of saves everything he's in. He tried he, to save blue chips, you know. Another pretty. I good couldn't get used to Anthony Michael Hall going from the geek to you know. Uh, yeah. Bryce hey, Young big, essentially. Yeah. yeah. He went from the nerd to Emilio Estevez Breakfast Club. Candles. Yeah. Yeah, he went. He's all of a sudden he's the big man on campus. Uh, I tell you another pretty good ones. He got game. I thought Denzel yeah. was in. I, I thought the yeah. field. I mean, Jesus. it wasn't very, it wasn't very realistic, but I thought Ray Allen did a good job. I thought the Rosario Dawson girl did a good job, and and the the feel of that movie was shot was really fun. Now a lot of it was unrealistic. His five two cousin point guard, and um, you know everything else that was happening. But I thought that was a good feel to the movie. Yeah. Who plays, uh, I don't know, maybe we've had this discussion before. Who plays Nick Saban in the movie? Don Johnson? No. Um, it could work. Same kind of hair. I don't Nick's know. Nick's kind of got the it, hair. I just, I don't know. It'd be tough, you know. Uh, I've always said Mark Wahlberg, because I think he's at a point, yeah. if you did it right now, Mark Wahlberg could could go back. You could de-age him enough to be young Nick, you know. And then, uh, you know, he's getting to a point chronologically where you, know, yeah, you can carry him right over into the current times. I, I don't know if people agree with me on that, but would, just kind of the have, visual, he would, the visual of Mark Wahlberg. The biggest thing for me there is he would have to decompress those muscles by about 39% minimum. I mean, that yeah. is a still a big, thick, brawny dude. I can't Nick Saban that muscular. I think Nick sees himself like that, though, sometimes, maybe. Well, I think a lot yeah. of people see him like that. You know? <laughs> I think so. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when they look across that field, I bet they've had that field before. So, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to What about Joaquin Phoenix? Is Tom, is, Tom Cruise, is Tom Cruise not on the table for Nick Saban? Roughly the same height. Could be. Similar build. You'd have to, you know, you got. here's the thing about Cruise. You can, you know, you saw him in Tropical thunder you can make him what you want to make him he's a he's a heck of an actor i don't want to yeah, i don't want thunder i don't want to party with him but i think you could i think you could get him there hair wise physical uh, you know the uh the glasses i think if you actually i think if you dummied him down a little bit from being you know top gun to a normal man i think you might have some nick saban in him, at least size wise best sports movie tom cruise has been in for me is still all the right moves from the 80s you know got to be got to be all the right moves the high school western pennsylvania still mills kid you know the undersized caucasian corner trying to get out of the uh the western pa hills and make it for himself and uh that's still that's still the one that resonates it's great i mean craig craig t nelson who's also hilarious on the show coach which is underrated sports tv show um you know it's hokey but it's Good. He was a great coach in this movie. You had the uh, Chris Penn going to Notre yeah. Dame. You had yeah. the guy. You had the guy getting arrested. You know, you had the big time quarterback. Salvucci. And you did, it had that fit. Yeah. Can you help me now, coach? Can you help me now? You know, it had, <laughs> it had it had a be- really young, 
pretty Leah Thompson in it as the lead actress. So it had, you know what it had? It had that feel of the, of, of the it, you felt like you were in Allentown with Billy Joel to some degree. I mean, when they were at the bar, when they were, you know, trashing the coach's yard, it felt just like you were there. It was it, I agree. It's one of the most underappreciated movies. Well you know, another, shot, man. It took you there, didn't it? The way it was shot and how they, the, the it, locations the, and everything. The feel, it just felt, yes, it just felt, however they shot yeah. it, it just felt like it that was. That wasn't an L.A. soundstage. No. She, a lot no, of that. That was legit. And even the ending was really good where he walks out of the mines and, you know, Craig T. Nelson's giving him a scholarship. So it hit, it hit on some hard strings, but, um, I mean, it, it was an emotional. And when they went in that locker room, those guys looked like a rock, locker room I've been in. Chief yes, that, that talk from Nickerson before yeah. and after the game, and the way just, that played just out. The way, yeah. Just the way they were taped and how those pads did, you know, my kids laugh because when they see old pictures, they see the shoulder pads and the neck roll for me, and they think it's hilarious because the, everything they've got is just fit perfect. Even at the young days back in the day. Like I used to tell them, I had to swap a helmet because the ear pads things were stripped and it wouldn't stay clicked in when I was at their age. They're like, ear pad things? <laughs> I was like, yes, we used to have to actually put the pads in this stuff. Yeah, they did. You know how hard it is to get that knee pad in that damn those damn pants. <laughs> how many times you put that in is upside down. You're mad as hell. You're like, what? Yeah, football going? practice was at if football practice was at three thirty. You had to be getting your your pants ready at like two to get and everything. They yelled at, I told them they don't break. They they <laughs> yelled at you for getting water. It's always a test. Who's thirsty? Shoot, I'm not. You know, no. which one of you dummies is going to admit you're thirsty? So I tell you, a, a basketball movie. I love is white men can't jump. That's it's a good flick. A, it's, I mean, the basketball, what I love was the basketball was so real. And that's sort of why I like movies like the program. And uh, that was the first one I saw real, you know, sort of real football. And then the show Friday night lights, you know, the, the hitting and everything. I mean, the, I'm not saying the scenarios were, I still, for me, sports stories are still sort of tough because they always like, can't, I don't know why the editor can't see the scoreboard when it's the fourth quarter. The score's three to nothing, and it's obviously more than three to nothing. How come nobody? And they hired, bring in they bring in actual consultants to work dude, on that stuff. There's a hundred guys on yeah, BOL subscribers. There's a yeah. hundred subscribers on BOL who could you could text them a link to that movie, and they would fix. They'd catch every one of those. Yeah. Our guys would catch every one of those. So I don't know how they do that. It still bothers me, but. The program was really good hit. Varsity Blues, for all of its insanity and over-the-top stuff, was fantastic for it the movie. Me. It kept me. And that's yeah. typically the movie that doesn't. To me, it was kind of like a poor man's All the Right Moves. But I, I hung in there with it. I hung in there with Varsity Blues, cause well, even as cliche as it was. You know? You, uh, I think partly because you knew, you were like, you know, we when you know, like if you don't know a Skeeter, you don't believe Skeeter exists, but if you know right. a Skeeter like we do, then you know good and damn well we don't know what that bump is down there. You know, we had <laughs> we had a friend like that, like uh, yeah, we don't know what no that doubt. is. Either. So that's what I liked. I tell you, this is a great time. I mean, it is like you said, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, um, um, Amazon Prime. It's you know, imagine if we were in this situation 20 years ago where we really had nothing to watch. It'd be hard to really, it'd be hard to kill a day. I know that much, but divorce attorneys would be, yeah, they would be especially busier. 
What are we having that? What are we having that mailbag, Mr. Yeah, Rock? with that, as much as uh, we, we like we to talk, to talk about all the reviews, but <laughs> we still actually have a lot going on at BamaOnline.com from an Alabama sports perspective, and that shows up in the form of the T Watts and TR mailbag. Let's go there right now, Tim, and we'll get started with Bama Man for JC, who asks. Do we think it's more realistic that Alabama cancel spring practice altogether or perhaps move it to the summer months? Um, you know, what we do know, Tim, is that the SEC has handed down a mandate that spring activities of any kind are suspended through April 15th, which obviously put A-Day initially in peril because A-Day was scheduled for April the 18th. We've learned in the last couple of days from the SEC office that all SEC spring games have been canceled. Now, they're still going to revisit, I guess, that April 15th date in terms of potentially there still being some form of spring practice that would at this point have to carry over into May. Um, I don't know. I kind of lean more if you were going to ask me for a a drop-dead point-blank answer right now. I would lean more towards there being a build-out of fall camp, basically, where perhaps in July they allow teams to get a bit of a jump start on fall camp, come in a little bit early, monitor it, obviously, because if you leave coaches to their own devices, they'll practice 50 straight days without a break. So there would be some built-in provisions for that. Uh, But, Tim, right now it's just hard for me to envision uh, a form of spring practice playing out. I, it's still possible, but I, I don't see it as a great possibility. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's so hard. I don't. I I'll, a lot of. It's just so hard to project with there with so many uncertainties. You know, I don't. You know, we had questions yesterday about the Coleman renovations and the Bryant Denny. Would they be stalled? I just don't know. I mean, I think it depends on if this is behind us in a month, which seems unlikely, I think, you know, there won't, you know, there won't be nearly as many delays as if this virus is still an issue in July, obviously there's going to be delays in everything. But with the spring, I think, like you said, they almost got to prorate it. They got to, you got to have spring or you got to have frat practice, fall practice. You got to work yourself into that season. You can't just jump in and start playing college football games. Nothing good's going to come from that. You know, even if that was an option, which is not. So I think you're like you said, um, I think this is almost a case where you could just push the timeline back. You know, if this is a, it's hard to discuss. If it's completely hypothetical and this virus pushes us back three months, it's possible everything's pushed back three months. And then you gradually work backwards to catch back up to August, fall, April, spring. So I think that's a possibility. I mean, Major League Baseball, oddly enough, the dumbest organist, the biggest cheaters in the history of sports, Major League Baseball, might be setting the way for us to figure this out with their approach to this because they've seemed the most rational, like we're going to postpone it till April, we're going to postpone it till May, we're still going to. They're already saying we're going to have a spring practice. So they yes. are, they're sort of, they've said more than anybody else. I think everybody else the NBA, college, and all that. Nobody else has really said a whole lot that I've seen, but the Major League Baseball, considering they're behind the curve on so much, to me has been a little bit ahead of the curve because they're saying we will have a spring. When will we have a spring? That's the question. Yeah, I don't think college football, the NCAA, is going to say, look, we've got to start the season September 5th, and whether 
that means we can't have as many practices leading up to that. That's our drop dead start date. I, I don't think that's going to be the case at all. They're going to do everything they have to do to ensure that there is the adequate prep time that these teams need to get ready for a football season. You know, it's not going to be a, a scenario where they say, okay, well, you get 10 days to practice and we're kicking off September 5th. As you sort of pointed out there, Tim, if they have to push back the start of the college football season in terms of the regular season, that's what they'll do to make sure they get those uh, needed workouts in. And, and we weren't really getting into this, but you mentioned it, how this impacts facilities and things like that that are going on at the University of Alabama. I mean, you got a Crimson Standard Fund right now in which they're trying to raise $600 million. I believe they've surpassed the halfway point, but with the economic economic impact of all this you know that that does become tougher obviously and that does become more in question i would think in terms of say coleman coliseum uh it, it more than anything for down the road brian denny's underway that's going to get done at some point um whether that is on time uh as a result of all this i'm not sure but i'm thinking more in terms of when you're trying to raise money man in these tough times with the economic downturn that's come with it. Uh, that makes it tougher as well. Gabe Lewis here in the mailbag, Tim asked the question or poses the scenario. You are forced to quarantine for two weeks, but you can have three sec football coaches in the house with you. Keeping in mind, the three coaches will be who is there to help protect you, but also who you have to be around for two weeks. Who are the three coaches? I'll answer that real quick, Gabe zero. I don't want anybody in my house that I don't have to have, Tim. Uh, Gabe asked the tough questions. I I love it. I guess if I have to answer that, I'll answer it. But would you have Lane Kiffin in your house for two weeks? Hell no, I wouldn't have Lane Kiffin in my house. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Under any circumstances. No, Lane's a good guy. I'd want to fight Mike Leach. Lane Lane would be fun, but you know how sometimes when the party's over and that guy don't know the party. Uh, over exactly. Lane might be that guy. Get I think I Lane start, out of your house out of two weeks might be the tough part. I think right? I'd start with Jeremy Pruitt. You know, a country guy, doesn't talk a lot, probably goes to bed about 7.30 p.m., wakes up 4 o'clock, so you don't have to see him that much. Probably knows how to kill something and cook it. You know, times get really bad. I bet he's, bet he's hell in a fight. I'd, I'd pick Pruitt. I wouldn't mind being around Saban. You know, I think he's the kind of guy that'd be in his room doing his own stuff, his work. Right. He's socially. He'd you know, be fine because you wouldn't see Nick for the two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, Nick would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. You'd be only see him like. A, he'd quarantine yeah. within the quarantine. You he know might what I mean? hear Tin Cup on TV and come out and watch it with you. But for the most part, he's so Nick and Pruitt would be pretty good for me. You're right about Leach. Leach and Kiffin, there's no way 14 days. I'd, You know, I'd be like, Leach. What about O? O would be all right. Orgeron? I would be, I'd be, I would be, I don't, I like Ed Orgeron. I like, you know, I, I'm, yeah. you know, we've discussed this before. I don't, I don't, I like the non cookie cutters. And if anybody's not a cookie cutter coach, it's Ed Orgeron. I definitely could see, you know, him two weeks though, trying to, trying to figure out what we have in common might be rough, but I do like the thought of him in my foxhole of, you know, someone, someone's, if, if, if we get in a brawl, a good one to have behind you. Yeah, I don't think you could do much better no if it came down to sort of an Armageddon type situation. How about, how about old coaches though? Give me three old SEC coaches. Give me two. Any SEC coach in history, give me two. You want to hang out with? Any in history. 
Wow. Any SEC in modern history. Well, I, I would go with more character types because I'd want to be entertained as much as anything. I think Steve Spurrier, the stories they, that he could tell. That's my number one pick. That's yeah. my number one pick. He that's would, he would keep Murphy. you laughing. I think Steve Spurrier would keep you laughing. And I got one yeah. more for you. How about Les Miles in our foursome? <laughs> How about the four of us playing spades? Oh, jeez. How about the yeah. four of us listening to these two guys tell stories? Yeah, uh, that would be. Uh, I, I would, you know, I for the tension, give me uh, Steve Spurrier and Ray Golf, you know, oh, because they, no. they weren't big fans of each other. Well, crap. So we get, hey, let's I'll throw Fulmer at this table. Yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna watch y'all play. Just have some coaches MMA break out, you know, if you get the right combinations <laughs> together. We could be the Dana Whites of that uh, that came down to it. Hey, uh, Abrel Bama, 58-18, asks, since they have canceled spring practice, well, they haven't canceled it as of yet, but we get where you're going with this, Abrel. Uh, which should have been, which should have seen several battles, including the QB battle. How does this affect the quarterback position going into the summer? Uh, what do you think, Tim? I, I think that, you know, it it's not a bad thing necessarily for Mac Jones because Mac Jones has a track record with his coaching staff. We've seen what he can do to a large extent with four starts in 2019. Does this hinder, say, Bryce Young, in your opinion, with his candidacy? I don't think so. I think it's, you know, to me, we're just, we've paused everything. I don't feel like until it's, you know, everything else is determined. I just feel like we paused a lot of, you know, sports because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it hurts Bryce Young, one, because I know what he can do as a talent. I know what kind of kid he is on the field. Two, I think it gives him a little more time in the quarterback room, a little more time to pick Mac's brain. I certainly don't think it hurts Mac at all, so don't get me wrong. But where Bryce, I don't think it hurts because we know. Now, he doesn't get experience, but he's not going to get a lot of experience in the spring other than throws. Uh, you know, that you're, you know, you can't learn much in the spring that you're, you know, that you're, you can't get that experience to face Georgia. What about, what about establishing your voice with your teammates? For Yeah, now that's, I made a post the other day, some little interesting stories. I've had uh, a few guys, and I'm not going to say names, tell me stories that like the older guys when Bryce enrolled in December or in January, they didn't know who he was. One guy apparently thought he was a punter or on the track team. <laughs> and uh, they thought he was a special Ty team. Ty Pirine. Yeah. Yes. And he, and he introduced, said, hello, I'm Bryce Young. And the, the starting offensive player was like, holy crap. I had no idea. <laughs> you know, I think I think it is sort of like the movie John Roadhouse. John Legend. That's who he looks I, like. Kind of, I, think, I think it's like the movie Roadhouse. You know, they kept saying, I, you know, I expected you to be bigger. I think when they, you know, when you hear the tales of Bryce, and if you don't really follow a cream like we do, you probably expect him to be bigger. And he's just, you know, he's a small guy. He's a, he's a quiet guy, you know, so he's not going to come in loudly screaming, who's number one, you know. Yeah, uh, who's the number one recruit? So that I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, him being a voice could be a factor. As we've discussed for over a year, uh, Max Jones is loved in that locker room. I mean, he he's got the locker room people believe in him probably even as much, maybe even more than Tua. Those kids, those wide receivers, those guys love Max Jones um, on a personal level. So now nah, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of plays itself out. Uh, when we eventually get back to some football. Abrel Bama, 5818, also asked, 
Have we heard anything about how they will be handling the 2020 NFL draft this year? Any news on that? Yeah, the NFL has come out here in the last week or so and announced that essentially the plans for Vegas this year have been scrubbed. So, Tim, you kind of get the feeling that this is going to be more of a virtual draft than anything else uh, with, with not much, if any, in the way of crowd participation, which has become a very big deal for the NFL the last few years with taking this draft on the road. I'm almost curious. I don't think there's quite enough time, but I'm curious if they won't, if they're not considering postponing the draft a little bit. If they're not going to play it normally. They say they're still going with April 23rd to the 25th. And, you know, they said that they said that about about the current situation and it's been business as usual. So, you know, it's so much about television too, you know, know, it's true. They've, there's a lot of plans in place. I saw that huge deal they did in uh, Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they can make it happen for the television, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it goes on, but uh, you know, we're still a little bit of a ways out, Uh, but they're trying to maintain man status quo in the national football league as much as possible. Jam Bama, your boy, Tim, he asked, did the light blue marble cheat? I guess that's been sort of viral, right? The, uh, the marble race on the, the social media, yeah. you got anything on that? I don't know if it cheated or not. I know that was a, that was a pretty funny video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of people were talking about, it. I probably had that thing sent to me. That's how, that's when I knew my buddies being sports fiends, was going to be a long, long trip for me, long time for me, because I was getting those videos. <laughs> they were they were like, holy crap, watch this. So that was their version of sports. So uh, nah, no opinion if he cheated. I'm going to go back and watch it in PM Jam Bama, though, and sort of look a little closer that how he behaved during that entire race, the blue marble. Go to, that go to the video. Go to the video. Yes, I go um, to the video. Hub Bama here in the mailbag. Who in the transfer portal and or high school senior uh, does Alabama basketball have a chance of landing? And how many new players on next year's roster? Really hard to say at this point with where we're at in all of this with the uh, sort of uh, suspension of things. I do know the the transfer portal in basketball, it, it seems like it never slows down. The transfer portal in just about any sport. So what you're seeing here in the last few days, uh, Jamarius Burton, a 6'4 guard from Wichita State, is in that portal. He says he's heard from Alabama, among others. Louisville guard Darius Perry, who was previously recruited by Alabama before signing with Louisville, been up been uh, been up at UL a couple of years. He's in the portal. Landers Nolly, the second, a 6'7 wing from Virginia Tech, is one of the more high-profile names that has gone into the portal here in the last few days. So, look, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of names with a lot of schools attached to them at this point. Uh, we do know that Keon Ambrose Hilton is already signed for Alabama in its 2020 class. Uh, Josh Primo is a guard of note that is still out there that Alabama has been linked to, Tim. But I guess what I would say is keep your eyes open for any and any and all outlets for potential talent to make its way into this program with Nate Oates because we've already seen it uh, a year ago. We saw Nate Oates go the prep route. We saw Nate Oates go the grad transfer route, uh, the junior college transfer route, uh, any and all potential 
revenue or streams, I guess you could say, for talent are going to be in play for this staff? Yeah, I haven't followed as closely as I probably should have. I think they still, I mean, they still, if they don't have anybody, part of that's going to figure, depend on who goes pro, if anybody goes pro. If Kyra goes yeah. or Petty goes or some combination pros or, the, you know, people transfer, I mean, that they'll have the room to, you know, bring in some guys they like. And I think they want to bring in an infusion. So if they can get a guy that can come in and help and contribute, change the culture a little bit, get some guys, you know, they need some depth. You saw him run into that this year. So I think all options are on the table for Nate Oates, who I still believe in, by the way. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. And, again, I think think like a lot of programs, you know, Alabama is going to be open to to any of those type of uh, streams of talent when you talk about transfers on various levels, high school kids, junior college kids, you name it. Mike Bowhunter in the mailbag, he's asking about the health status of Will Reichard and DJ Dale. And, Mike, that's the big shame of all this was that we were expecting to get updates on those guys and some others. Uh, but with spring practice obviously suspended for the time being, uh, we had hoped last Friday to get a better understanding of those things. You know, and perhaps we're going to hear from Nick Saban in the in the coming days and, and, and maybe the health status of some of these guys uh, will come to the forefront. But we know Will Reichert at the end of the 2019 season was ramping up to what appeared to be a return uh, of some sort for spring football. DJ Dale, after multiple injuries as a true freshman last year, last we heard from Nick Saban in regards to the nose tackle, DJ Dale, was that he wasn't necessarily back in mid-December anyway responding to treatment as well as they had hoped, and they were considering some other options for DJ Dale. So I'm not sure if Tim has anything else to add to that, but wait and see at this point, as best I can tell. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Waiting and seeing. Don't want to draw any conclusions. they got plenty of time now, so there's not a rush. Yeah, let's wrap it up, Tim, uh, with CKAKAC97. I won't even try to to make that. Uh, I won't even try. You can do it. I'm staying corrected. You cannot do it. I stand corrected. All right, Tim, here's the the question. Thoughts on the seemingly slow start to recruiting for the 2021 class? You kind of hit on this earlier, but uh, take us out with this. Not worried. It's not the normal start for Alabama. You look at most of the schools. I mean, if Alabama – Alabama had a couple decommitments, obviously – Latrell McCutcheon wasn't a surprise. Drake May wasn't a huge surprise considering Bryce Young. So, you know, some circumstances led to the the decommitments. Otherwise, Alabama would have three commitments. That's probably on par for most of the country. I think the panic started with LSU. I mean, I'm sorry, with Clemson and Ohio State having such good classes. They have double digits. North Carolina's freaked some fans out. They have double digit. Um, You know, the thing about it is just because you got – Commitments don't mean you got the right commitments. We went through this with Alabama's class last year with the uh, early freak out. Now, this is against the norm. You know, Alabama usually has a couple of more, but we're not talking 20 commitments to one commitment usually in March, you know, nine months before signing day. So, or, or eight months, what is it, seven months before signing day. I think it is a slow start, but I think that's what it is. It's a slow start. Um, I think they're in position to land some good guys, and we'll see how this class goes, but I think there is pressure. And it's natural to feel that pressure because Clemson, Ohio State, who were two playoff teams, are doing so well. Um, but, you know, every staff moves at their own pace right now. And I think Alabama's moving a little bit slower, plus the momentum's a little bit slower. So I think it's a combination of things. 
but I don't, you know, come October, you know, I might feel differently, but right now I don't see any cause for panic. There you go, Tim. That'll take us out of here. As always, we certainly Nailed appreciate. It. There you go. Absolutely. We appreciate our, <laughs> our BOL subscribers. Absolutely. We're going to continue to bring you, you the very best of the information and content that we possibly can during these trying times. And again, we can't thank you enough for joining us, not only here on the Built by Bama Online podcast, but certainly at BamaOnline.com and the Roundtable, the community of choice for Alabama fans. Tim, a lot of fun. Yep, same here. Look, seeing you, look forward to seeing you guys on BOL. There you go. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us. For T. Watts and TR on the Built by Bama Online podcast, we'll do it again real soon. <laughs>